but what you can do is be there as the voice for them as the ear for them um as the the person who values them uh because that is enough uh, and that was something that was really pressure that was really important to me i didn't until i knew that one primary caregiver was enough i didn't rest easy it, it used to really bother me but as long as that child's got you um they've, they've got everything they need Hey y'all, thanks so much for listening in today to the Confident Mompreneur podcast, the podcast by real women for real women, where we talk about real life difficulties and triumphs as women, moms, business owners, and more. Thanks so much for being a part of our Confident Tribe. Let's get into it. Well, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Yes, absolutely. Well, do you want to start us out by introducing yourself, a little bit about you, what you do, all the good things? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm San. Uh, I'm a parenting consultant and I'm the founder of The Story Potion. And what we do is we're just helping parents um, learn how to discipline their children, build their self-esteem and just set them up for success. I love that. Uh, And I took some time before we have done here to kind of look through your Instagram and you have so many great tools mm-hmm. and things like that for parents and I love the like definition you use for discipline because mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of people kind of misconstrue discipline as like you know punishment Absolutely. and so I love the way that you describe that so do you want to tell us a little bit more about um, what your business is and kind of dive into that and what discipline looks like to you yeah absolutely so when I first started to really understand what discipline looked like um it was when I watched a program called super nanny I don't know if you've heard of that with joe frost so Mm -hmm. super nanny was like a really famous lady um in England and about probably about 15, 20 years ago, she started teaching parents how to discipline children. And obviously before that, um, discipline very much looked like smacking, hitting, um, physical violence, um, manipulation, threats, that kind of thing. So that's really the generation of parents that I, I now work with were raised in that way. So that's the kind of discipline that was modeled to them. So it's really difficult when you've been modeled a a certain type of discipline to then consciously start to make the effort to discipline in a different way. So all the parents that I work with already want to want to discipline differently. They want to see a different way. Um, And Super Nanny was really um, my first introduction into what discipline could look like for a new generation of parents. And what she introduced was the idea of the naughty step. Um, You put your child on the naughty step if they've been bad, and then they will basically reflect on their behavior. And then they will, you know, stay in there for however, for the number of minutes of that equate to their age. They'd come out of there, out of the naughty corner, you know, with this different approach to life or whatever you know having understood exactly what they've done wrong and it the whole idea is you know 
it's quite crazy when I think of it now, when I look back, perspectively, <laughs> I think I actually believe that that's how I needed to discipline my children. So whenever my children would misbehave, you know, misbehave, I would then banish them off to the naughty corner and they would have to stay there. And, and as time went on, I had to then shut the door. Like they wouldn't sit on the corner uh, on the step. They, I'd say, right, you've got to go into the laundry room because there I could shut the door and they would have to stay there and I have to hold the door just so they stay there. Mm-hmm. And even thinking about it now, I get really emotional because I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea that this was a form of abuse, really, if you think about it, you know, putting a child in a space where they couldn't even reflect on their feelings um, and and connect with me about whatever was even upsetting them in the first place. So um, yeah, when I, I when I went on this journey and learned actually how to discipline in a positive way, and using it as a teachable opportunity, I just—it's been—it's been transformational for me and my family. Um, and I started writing books about it, um, help more children's books so that children could learn to regulate their emotions, um, understand how they feel um, from their perspective if they're in a family who don't really understand about positive discipline. Just didn't want children to feel like they were alone. Um, and then I, yeah, opened up the consultancy and now I work with parents to help them understand how to discipline their children, um, and understand that it is a teachable opportunity and there's, there's 18 different ways to positively discipline your child. So I go through all of the different ways of doing that. Um, and the first step really is to build a child's self-esteem. Children can't learn unless they are, they've got their thinking brain on. Um, And that's how I try to explain it. Uh, It's all neuroscientifically proven. You know, these things have been around for such a long time, but simplifying it and making it easier to follow helps parents when they're in that triggered frame of mind to actually move forward with the discipline tactics that I teach. So it's really removing the parent from that situation, making them understand how the child brain works so that when they're in that triggered moment, they have the tools, they have the mindset to be able to then move forward with with the discipline um, that I teach. Wow, I love that so much. And you're so right. When you're in that triggered state, it's so easy to go back to the systems that either we grew up in or we have been like, you know, implementing with our kids over the years instead of into the new new tools that we're trying to teach because we just were in that flight or fight kind of state of mind. And it can be hard to think logically through that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So how many kids do you have and what are their ages? So I have three children. Um, my youngest is four. And my eldest is nine. So there was two years between all of them. Wow, that's awesome. So um, I love that you talk about the super nanny and that, you know, quiet corner type thing, which I think um, was kind of the beginning of moving away from, you know, physical punishment type discipline 
that was like the next stage is just stick them in a corner and ignore them. (laughs) And now we're moving into more like, uh, you know, gentle parenting has become a a big thing in the recent years and those types of things. But, you know, it is funny that you talk about the just stick them in a corner and, you know, let them deal with that thing. And I have realized that that doesn't work with kids. They're just like, okay, what am I supposed to do here? You know, there's no actual thought process going on there, which I think was, you know, what they were attempting to do there. Yeah. But um, I think all they about they on in that moment was the connection piece. Until you connect with how your child is feeling, you can't, you can't possibly understand what they're what they're going through and and you can't then move forward with the teachable moment that they're trying to sort of that the moment of uh of learning that they're trying to overcome um and that's that's the key piece behind it yeah I love that and I think it's really easy as a parent to kind of minimize your kids feelings Mm -hmm. and kind of what they're going through in those difficult moments because to us as an adult it seems like something so simple, but to our children, it can be so much more than that. Mm -hmm. And I think what I'm finding with a lot of parents that I'm now working with, because they obviously smacking it and shouting and hitting has become such a big thing that you do not do because that's so highly publicized now. Parents are moving Mm -hmm. in the opposite direction and actually not disciplining children at all. So children are now kind of getting out of control they're hitting their parents swearing they're fighting with siblings um Mm -hmm. they have no respect for elders uh in in a in obviously the traditional sense had its had its flaws but there is also the importance of being able to learn from others and show consideration for others and cooperation and that is just starting to lack because parents just don't know how to use discipline um so I think that for me is really important to to make sure that parents don't just become permissive um and Mm -hmm. and let things slide because children need that that guidance they they haven't understood how to conform to societal norms yet so they do still need that guidance from a trusted supportive connected mentor Yeah, that's such a good observation. I mean, I haven't really hadn't really thought about it until you said that. But yeah, I agree. I have seen it's like either one side or the other. And people are kind of struggling to figure out where that middle ground is where they're not on the abusive side, but they're also not letting their kids get away with too much either. Mm. Um, you said that you have like 18 kind of different methods that you teach. Can you just introduce a couple of those and kind of how um, we can really use those to kind of help us find that middle ground? Yeah, absolutely. Well, one of them is is natural consequences. So um, sometimes parents will say, look, they just won't put their coat on. They won't put their coat on. It's freezing outside. I've said it 10 times. I don't know what to do unless I shout that child will not put their coat on. And I've explained that a natural consequence for that child is that they'll get cold. They will feel the cold and that's it. You don't have to do anything else. You're not being permissive because you've said it's cold. I would suggest that you put your coat on, but they also have the choice of not putting the coat on. So they've got a choice there. And that's another 
discipline um, as well, giving choices. Um, I remember when I was coaching my husband on how to put our daughter to bed and he says, you know, if you don't go to bed, then, you know, mommy's going to come. And I said, well, no, mommy's not going to come. I've, I've got, I'm not there. Like, that's not an option. <laughs> options. You've got to give actual like realistic options, two options that you want them to choose. Um, and that's another form of discipline. So you would say either daddy's going to close the door or daddy's going to leave the door open. What You know, it's your choice. Um, things like that so it's yeah natural consequences giving choices um, having a private chat uh, is really important as well um, if a child is having an outburst in front of their grandparents for example then the last thing you want to do is shame them in front of everybody you want to have a private chat where they can then move understand you can connect with them first of all and then you can start to understand where that outburst came from, where that rude behavior might have come from. Connect, understand things from their point of view. And then you can sort of say, OK, great. Now I understand. Yeah, I understand why you did what you did and what shouldn't you have done. And that's when they can start to, you know, that they've they've got into the frame of mind of learning because you've got into this. They've connected with where they're at. They can then make a decision and move forward from there so it's um yeah, yeah there's there's like I say 18 methods um and when I'm teaching my clients I do use their examples um they will give me a full outline of what's going on in their family uh, and, and because families are so different you know they're so unique and even the children how they present in the family are so unique as well it's been really important for me to get on the same page as that family to really understand what's going on, what the dynamic is. Um, some of my uh, clients live in mixed generational households, for example. Um, so you've got grandparents put disciplining in one way. You've got the father, you've got the mother, you've got a mother-in-law, you've got, you know, so many different generations um, who are you know projecting their own trauma onto this poor child that you've got to really understand what's going on for this whole family in order to really understand what that child is probably feeling and then to use examples that uh, the parent is actually telling me about to show them and demonstrate how those 18 um, disciplines can can work for them mm -hmm. I love that, that you are able to kind of tune in to each individual, like, family, especially because, like, each family is different, but each kid is different, too. Like, my my mom always brings up that me and my two brothers were completely different when they raised us. Like, they could just look at me in, you know, a stern look, and I would start crying and fix myself immediately versus my brother who was very hard-headed and they could do whatever to him and he he could not care otherwise <laughs> yeah and that is what happens that is what happens because you'll get the good child um who then grows to have their own challenges uh because mm -hmm. they're people pleasing tendencies and and mm -hmm. yeah absolutely yeah i'm a people yeah. um and then you get the you, if the discipline if the punishment doesn't work and the fear-based tactics don't work then the child can just become defiant um and then that's when they spiral as well so 
your spicy children and your <laughs> children <laughs> yep there's always that mix of kids in each family Absolutely. Um, I love that you talk about the the choices being one of the options too because that's definitely a method that I use with my son it's like you can either choose a or b but I do notice that there are some times where I'm like you don't get a choice on this specific thing but you can have a choice in this or this instead um things like you know if he's having a really rough morning and he doesn't want to go to school I say you know that's unfortunately one of those things that you don't get a choice in because mom has to go to work which means you have to go to school so you don't get that choice but you can choose if you want to take a stuffed animal with you in the car on our way to school or something like that yeah absolutely yeah yeah and and do you is, is it just the one child that you've got then yeah yes I've just got one one he's five years old five. Oh, lovely mm-hmm. yeah yes and that is when choice is so important because nobody wants to feel like they've got no control in their life mm-hmm. uh, and yeah absolutely letting him take a toy to school is lovely yes he loves that um when you talk about you know the different types of households that you have uh worked with there's like the multi-generational um households it's definitely interesting because there are such vast differences in the way that we discipline our children from the ways that our parents did and especially the ways that like our grandparents did um so how do we really focus in on that and make sure that the whole household is disciplining in the same way um, so that the kid is not having to kind of deal with three different types of discipline or even like in my case we're a split household um, so my son is with my ex-husband for two weeks and then he's with me for two weeks and the ways that we discipline I think are very Uh, different so how do we help our kids kind of work through different people who may be disciplined in different ways yeah um by modeling it so a child only needs one primary caregiver who who sees them who values them who hears everything and as long as they've got that one who's modeling how the rest of the the family should discipline Generally, when you've got a family who are a little bit more like, it's, I don't like to use the word narcissistic, but when you have narcissistic or toxic traits within a family, you, you can't change that. So you need to protect your child as much as you can. Um, and you can't shield them from this forever. But what you can do is be there as the voice for them, as the ear for them, um, as the, the person who values them, uh, because that is enough. Uh, and that was something that was really pressure. That was really important to me. I didn't until I knew that one primary caregiver was enough. I didn't rest easy. It it used to really bother me. But as long as that child's got you, um, they've they've got everything they need. Oh, I love that so much, and that does help me. Like as a parent of a split household, feel a little bit better. Yeah. Um, what one thing that my son said to me the other day was, you know, he made a mistake. He got in trouble for something and he just goes, mom, I'm just a bad kid. And that just broke my heart because obviously someone else 
you know, in his life is telling him that he's a bad kid for the choices that he made. And um, I had to, you know, kind of step back from that and be like, are you a bad kid or did you just make a bad choice and have to deal with the consequences of that? Like your choices don't, bad choices don't mean you're a bad kid. And so then I was like giving him examples of why he's a good kid to kind of negate that. But I always wonder, you know, is me doing that enough or is having that turbulence and the way that he's being disciplined going to have kind of lasting effects on him? Yeah. Yeah, that is tough. That is tough. I think one thing I would say is that if he does ever say I'm a bad kid, you can you can repeat it back to him. You you think you're a bad kid. And he'll start opening up because there's something there that is festering and we don't want to invalidate what they're saying by sort of trying it is going to you're going to want to do that as the mom that you deeply love him and you don't want him to see himself as a bad kid but at the same time he's seeing something in himself that you might not necessarily see so by allowing him to accept whatever thing he thinks is bad he's actually accepting a whole part of himself um i had an incident with one of my children where they said i'm i'm terrible i'm re i'm rubbish and i sort of said you're rubbish why do you why did you say that and they carried on um rubbish you don't love me as much as the others i said oh you think i don't love you as much as the others and we sat there for five minutes of me just reflecting back everything that this child was saying to me until it got to the point where it was almost like a deeper healing that that my child went through where they understood that there was an incident way back when when they'd done something and it was it was a way that I had reacted to at that time that made them feel bad and they were still harboring that feeling so I actually by going through that process of letting them unravel that there was a deeper healing that went that took place um so we don't our job isn't to make them feel better it's to guide them to accept and love and and enjoy all the parts of themselves even the parts that they might think are bad you know there's no bad bit in any child there's no bad bit in anyone when a person gets to the root of why they're feeling bad it's generally jealousy uh, fear, um, greed, it's, it's generally something that society thinks of as bad. So they have, you know, read books about it being bad and they've tried to reject that part of themselves. But now my children will openly say, yeah, I'm just jealous of my brother or yeah, I'm jealous of my sister because she got this. I'm like, yeah, you're jealous. Okay. We've got to accept all the feelings that we feel and know that our emotions are, um, you know, we're blessed to have these emotions and they help guide us. And actually, when we start to see that our emotions are there for good, we, we're more accepting of them. Wow, that's so impactful. I think you just healed a little bit of my inner child with that. 
<laughs> oh my gosh yeah that is so good and so true it's it and I do think it's important that you say our job is not to make them always feel great you know sometimes we just need to be there for them um and I think that's really hard especially as a mom to not want to like rush in and fix everything for them all of the time um but I do think it's important that we give them space to learn and grow and develop and you know go through some of those natural consequences of things and really work through it themselves too absolutely absolutely well and I love that you talk about discipline is not punishment it's an opportunity to learn and grow Mm -hmm. and that's exactly what we're doing is like just giving them that opportunity yeah definitely I I love my uh, one of my children had said once um I think we were talking about what we love, what our favorite things are. And one of my children said, I love making mistakes. And I said, really, why is that? And uh, they said, it's, um, it's because that's when I learn. And I thought, well done. That's absolutely right. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, that is when you learn. So the fact that my child could be grateful of lessons learned and mistakes just makes me feel really, makes me feel good inside that is so amazing I love that that's something I wish I I would have grown up with and now we get to give it to our kids and heal that within them yeah definitely definitely and and I feel sometimes I look back at my childhood was was my my mom's a gen x um most parents are gen x now Mm -hmm. and she never raised her hand to me um I I don't think I don't remember um I knew the threat was always there and I was raised in fear but her purpose was always to have that deep connection with me she just didn't know how she didn't know how to build that and so a lot of what I do is is hoping that I'll meet a woman like her one day and just be able to say look you, you are doing a good job you know you just need to tweak just these little things and you know you're you're going to help your child thrive rather than you know how I've ended up I had ended up you know I'd spiraled um and had to find my own way eventually um and and you know that's not what my mum would have you know she she did not want that for me she's a deeply loving parent um as are most parents that are out there they're deeply loving nobody Mm -hmm. knows this stuff nobody knows that the impact um that they have on their child is so you know so so vast and and that they can they can make such a positive impact on on their child as well yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. but and that's what I love so much about what you're doing is you know most I'm not gonna say all but most parents are just wanting to do what's best for their children but we don't have the tools, the time, or, you know, the opportunity to really hone into what's going to do that for our children and for ourselves too. So what tips, tricks, tools, anything like that would you give to the moms out there, especially the busy moms that, you know, they're running businesses or they're working full-time and they're trying to take care of their kids and be the best moms possible to them? Mm -hmm. Um, What, what, tips tricks tools do you have for them to make sure that they are 
you know, doing the best when it comes to their children and their children's discipline. Yeah. Um, well, that's actually what I what I do as a business. It's for busy parents. I've made a very succinct way of understanding how to apply these 18 methods of discipline. Um, just in general day-to-day communication, we can sometimes be very dismissive, um, time-starved, not present, and find it difficult because when we're triggered constantly by our children, it actually makes the process of parenting a lot, lot harder. So my advice for any busy parent is to, to learn how to discipline your child positively because that's that's basically what you're doing every time you interact with them. Um, you are that's a, an opportunity to discipline. Discipline is teaching. You're teaching your child, and if you don't have the time to teach because you're too busy with work or whatever, then that child is gonna that's neglectful parenting. So there there does need to be a balance. Um, even if you are very busy you do need to then be able to know that every interaction, however small it might be, is a powerful, positive exchange, which is imparting wisdom on your child. Um, And there's ways to find this information out. Either you can follow influencers um, or you can go to people and get a bit of coaching. Um, My family life transformed within about six weeks. It didn't take long at all. It's like nine hours um, of coaching that I had total. And it transformed my entire family and my children are much more connected. Um, The conversations I have with my children now, massively different to the conversations I was having with them, say, three, four years ago, because they now feel like they can talk to me about anything. Um, And actually, when when you do connect with your children in this way, it's a lot more interesting. Like the things that they come out with are more powerful. They're more sort of, they're more engaging. um, They're more, they're self-motivated to help around the house. They're more independent. They're getting themselves, you know, doing their own homework. You know, there's discipline actually spans further than just those teachable moments when they're misbehaving. It actually impacts the whole your whole life um if you need to get up and out in the morning how can you do that quickly efficiently we we have three children in our house and me and my husband we get ready they get ready we all go downstairs we have breakfast um it's it makes life a lot easier if you just kind of get those basics nailed and you understand what your triggers are you know how to reframe them and you know it takes a bit of practice but in the long term actually makes parenting less stressful easier you can navigate situations with with a lot more ease and you know if you need to have sessions with coaches uh, every now and then just to feel you know get that energy uplift or um or if you just need to get away you know just go for a spa or something just to have that headspace because once your child starts to talk about things you're going to want to hear what they've got to say yeah 
So is there any like specific language that you're using when you're talking to your children that gets them to open up to you more? Is there like certain questions that you ask or like, is it just asking more open ended questions that allows them to do that? What, what is the language that you use there? Um, silence. Just giving them the space. <laughs> yeah. 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 Cause once they, once you stop talking, they've got a lot to say. Mm. I don't ask my kids other than what did you guys eat today? <laughs> what did you guys eat today at school? Cause I'm, I don't want to make the same thing at dinner. They just tell me everything. Um, they tell me about their day. Um, and a lot of it is because I'm silent. I'm just waiting for the information and excited to hear what they've got to say and just have a smile on my face when I see them. Um, a lot of it is in your body language. Um, there's a psychological thing called Pygmalion. And it basically means what you think is what you see with your children. So if you're thinking, oh God, picking these kids up now from school, oh, what's ahead? What's ahead of me for the rest of the night? They, they know that's how you're feeling. They know that's what you're thinking because your body language gives it off, your actions, your, your language, everything about your body gives off that vibe. Kids pick up on that straight away and they mm. then enact that behavior. Whereas if you're, if you're seeing them with the thought of, oh my God, my kids, I haven't seen them all day. I wonder what they're going to tell me. I wonder what exciting thing they've been up to. They just, they're just a lot more open. They're a lot happier as well. Um, and, and if they're not, you know, it's not like my children are running around skipping all day. You know, they have tantrums and meltdowns just like any other child. It's just that I know that that's going to come. They're tired. They've been at school all day. I'll make sure that they have a snack. I also go through the process of learning lessons as well. I'll think, oh, shite, I shouldn't have picked them up at this time of night. Um, <laughs> I should have, you know, got home earlier. And, and, you know, I learn from my mistakes and I'm a lot easier on myself and think, oh, yeah, they're tired. And, you know, you reframe your thoughts. That then reframes the way your children are as well. Mm -hmm. It is very interesting to me that you talk about like how we're feeling as a parent or the thoughts that we're having gets transferred onto our kids. Um, one of the big things that I, I noticed when I was like going through my divorce and, you know, just a bunch of turbulent times, all of the anxiety and things that I was going through was being projected onto my son and he was showing up very anxiously about things and um, so I realized that that was something that I needed to work on was, you know, not really internalizing my anxiety, but working on myself more so that I'm not showing up in that space for him. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And the fact that you've done that is amazing. Like you must be so proud of yourself that you're not projecting all of this on your child because they've got enough going on in their world to then have to deal with our stuff as well so that's that's yeah. amazing absolutely I think that's super important you know because they are going through a lot of their own stuff and sometimes just you know showing up as a supporter and a listener like you said being willing to listen to them and be open to hearing their thoughts and feelings rather than just speaking at them all the time 
is so important. So I love that you speak about that. I think that's so cool and so important. But well, thank you so much. This has been so helpful. And I know, especially for me, you know, um, just hearing this is very, it makes me feel a little bit better about how I'm doing as a parent. So thank you so much for doing that. (laughs) I'm glad it sounds like you're a great parent it sounds like you're doing all the right things you're doing all the things that are going to nurture his brain make him feel seen uh heard valued and and that's amazing you're the fact that you're working on yourself as well um and trying to like lift yourself every day that's modeling the behavior you'd want to see in him as well so yeah well done you absolutely and that is well, thank you. I appreciate that. But I do think that that is super important to being a great parent too, is like just working on yourself and feeling confident and happy in yourself because that does show up in how we parent our kids. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on and being here with us. Um, do you want to tell us where we can find you, what resources you have available, your coaching, all of that stuff, plug yourself. Yeah. Um, Well, you can contact me at hello at thestorypotion.com. So unfortunately, Santa and I got a little cut off here as she was plugging herself. So let me just hop in here and finish plugging her. Um, So you can also find Santa at thestorypotion on Instagram. Um, That's where I was able to reach out and connect to her. You can also book a free consultation and discovery call there with her. She has so many great resources resources on her Instagram, um, in her coaching, all of that good stuff. So please check her out and go let her know that you loved this episode. So thank you guys for being here. If you love this episode, please let us know by submitting a review or sharing with the women in your life. We'll see you next time.